Hey guys, it's Dawn and I wanted to let you know about a new space I'm creating called What's the Truth Community. If you experience trauma in childhood, the truth can be really elusive. In toxic families, the truth of what goes on behind closed doors is hidden. And I speak to people every day who are only just now beginning to discover the truth of who they really are years later because we were given so many false beliefs about ourselves. Nobody loves you. You should be ashamed. You'll never amount to anything. All the lies are manipulation within toxic family homes. But each belief that gets filed away in your subconscious mind is so powerful. Each belief changes every choice you make and that can change the entire direction of your life. If you are ready to create a beautiful life for yourself, come and join me in the What's the Truth community. By sharing truth, we are learning to step out of the fog and see what is the truth of your life so far. Because once you can see it, you can fix it. We are going to be talking about truth so that you can finally live in peace, freedom and authenticity. In the What's the Truth membership, you will have access to subscriber-only episodes, all ad-free and all for the cost of a cup of coffee a month. This is the most important community you will become a part of this year. If you listen via the Apple Podcasts app, you can sign up right there in the app. And if you listen on any other platform, you can sign up via Supercast. It's super easy and the links are in the show notes. This is your safe space. I'm so excited for you to join me. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. But I think the easiest way to describe it is just guilt. Like I just remember feeling very guilty and not understanding why, and always felt very responsible for her, again, without understanding why. And looking back, there was a lot of subtleties. And and this is something that is so common with women that share the same experience with their mother, kind of saying things like, I can't wait till you have children. And there's like an undercurrent of, I can't wait till you go through what I'm going through. She did say to me, had she had a time again, she wouldn't have had children. I'll never forget that. For me, it was just these feelings of guilt and responsibility that I did not understand that were just normal to me. And I thought that that was a normal feeling to have towards your mother. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives and what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives and that's the cycle of families 
I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey, my beautiful friend, if you suffer from anxiety and are sick of all the ways it's taking over your life, please take a look at Panic Away. For over 10 years now, Panic Away has been showing people how to break anxious patterns and get their old carefree self back, the person they were before anxiety ruled their life. Panic Away shows you how to break the anxiety loop and it gives your nervous system a chance to relax. It's totally drug-free and highly successful and it helps people with all levels of anxiety. Panic Away comes with a full money-back guarantee so you really have nothing to lose and everything to gain. It's time to take back control of your life, your happiness and your freedom. A life free of anxiety is like living an entirely different life. Click the link in the show notes for access to Panic Away. Hey beautiful souls. I have to tell you that the best part of my week is connecting with so many beautiful souls on Instagram, on my podcast. I've seriously never met so many beautiful hearted women and men who have been through so much and are healing and growing and doing the most amazing things in the world. This week, my guest is Michaela Tyson. Michaela is such a beautiful, gentle-natured soul. She has an amazing Instagram account where she's sharing her story of growing up with a narcissistic mother. And I'm so happy to be able to dig a little deeper with Michaela and hear her full story today. Michaela describes her mum as a vulnerable narcissist. The vulnerable narcissist isn't as obvious as other types. They're much more subtle but there's always this underlying guilt and control around all of their relationships. And Michaela speaks of the deep guilt and responsibility she felt for her mother, feelings that she says she always saw as completely normal. The vulnerable narcissist operates from feelings of low self-esteem, depression, anxiety and abrupt mood changes. They are usually introverted and sometimes they're quite shy. The vulnerable narcissist has a hypersensitivity towards criticism and sees constructive criticism as deeply insulting. Does this sound familiar to you? If you have someone in your life who fits this description, you definitely need to hear this episode. Please join me in hearing Michaela's story. Michaela, I'm super excited for our chat today. You are Mother Herself and Me on Instagram, 
And after a lifetime of living with a narcissistic mother, you are now a maternal narcissistic abuse recovery coach. And you're guiding women to radical self-understanding, remothering, and a life of abundance. It's all so amazing what you're doing. Let's start off right at the beginning. And can you tell us a little bit about your mum before you were born? What kind of life did your mum have? Great question. I've never had that one before. I love that. Hi, Dawn. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, absolutely. So my mum was oh gosh I love this question my mum was the youngest of 11 children so really really yeah really big family and like I said she was the youngest and from what she's kind of always said my my granddad was a very wealthy man so they had a lot they had a lot of the luxuries like they lived on quite a large farm in rural UK And she always said that she had a good life. She was quite unwell when she was a child. She had tuberculosis when she was quite young and one of her lungs collapsed, which meant that she was in hospital for quite a long time. So I think she got quite a lot of attention there, which she always spoke about. So I know it meant a lot to her. And she... She was very much always the baby, like my aunts and uncles would always joke and be like, you know, she was the baby, like she was like my granddad's favorite and she would get all the attention. And my granddad passed away when he was 50. So she was 22, 23. She was young and he died of a heart attack. So he just went to bed and, you know, he passed away and that was it. And I know how much that devastated my mum and my grandma was also she didn't cope very well with that so my mum very much became her rock and she still lived with her at the time so now it's very clear to me I can see a lot of that kind of parentified dysfunctional kind of enmeshment between those two and then she met and married my dad within the next year And then had me. So it all happened very, very quickly for her, which is why I think there was a lot of feeling like she had not lived her life when she was a mother to me. There was a lot of resentment there. And that resentment, how did that affect you as a child? It was so incredibly subtle. But I think the easiest way to describe it is just guilt. Like I just remember feeling very guilty and not understanding why and always felt very responsible for her again without understanding why and looking back there was a lot of subtleties and and this is something that is so common with women that share the same experience with their mother you know kind of saying things like I can't wait till you have children and there's like an undercurrent of I can't wait till you go through what I'm going through I think she even said to me at one point she did say to me had she had a time again she wouldn't have had children I'll never forget that um yeah just a lot of yeah for me it was just these feelings of guilt and responsibility that I did not understand Um, that were just normal to me and I thought that that was a normal feeling to have towards your mother yeah what was your relationship like with your dad as a little kid um 
it's always been complicated um I love my dad dearly we have a really good relationship now it wasn't always that way my dad also has a lot of deep wounding and he was always very so my dad was in the military and he was just always very strict um a little bit withdrawn he was always very hard to reach but he was always the one this completely contradicts that in a way but he was always the one that kind of did things with me and my brother in the regards to play like he would take us on a day out and we would just have such a good time and I remember my mum never really being there and we did that with him um, but as I grew up as I got older we really became quite distant especially when I was a teenager like we just weren't very close at all my mum kind of encouraged that relationship between me and my dad as well not being overly close um, and again this is something that's quite common with narcissistic mothers and it's also something that's really hard to wrap your head around is this jealousy this you know seeing her daughter as a threat and maybe not even understanding it herself that that's what it is but not encouraging that relationship with her father as a result of that um, yeah there was just part of that that's really hard, isn't it? So when you're speaking to me, I just feel it's just a really cold environment for you growing up. Is that mm. how it was? That you're not feeling really any love there or having your feelings acknowledged? Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, I often describe it as it's, it's kind of you want the love and acceptance so much and maybe not even realising that that's what you want but you do, you want that. And like you get that in tiny, like microscopic doses. And then as soon as you see it, and as soon as you begin to lean into it, it's taken away again. And it just leaves you feeling really confused. Um, and, you know, trying to find a different way, like another way around maybe getting it, you know, maybe if I approach them this way, or maybe if I do this thing, you know, and make them proud this way or achieve this thing, like, yeah, there was a lot of that for me. It was not consistent and it was not readily available to me. And that I truly understand now in a way that I didn't. Um, but I thought it was normal. I thought it was totally normal. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? That you spent your life just thinking that this is how everybody yeah. else's life is. What do you think you believed about yourself as a little kid then in that environment? Oh, um, again, without truly understanding it at the time, I did not believe that I was good enough or worthy enough. I was always a very anxious child. Anxiety is something that, you know, I still have to manage, but I was just not in an environment that really understood that. So I was always labelled as a worrier. I was always labelled as too much. Everything was just too much. And um, no one knew what to do with that. So you know, that shame was just kind of projected onto me. And yeah, I just felt not deserving, not good enough. It's interesting because I'm actually, I'm very transparent on social media with my clients that I'm very much still doing the work as well. And a huge thing for me right now is money, money mindset and my, my money beliefs that are very much stemming from the mother wound on my childhood. And a big thing that's come up for me recently is I remember my mum, like when it ever came to spending money on me whether that was for school or you know whatever that might have been there was always so much resistance there there was always this underlying 
thing that she just didn't want to do it. And I just always felt uncomfortable. And as a result, I now don't feel deserving of spending money on myself or really having it. So it's just so interesting how how it really starts there and then magnifies, you know, if it's unchecked. Yeah, I 100% relate to that. I think that was in my family too. We had to not spend money and, and that really does become a part of who you are. It's very hard to overcome those deep subconscious beliefs and I know you had some special needs growing up can you tell us about what sort of messages you were getting from your parents around this area of your life absolutely again another great question I've not been asked this before so yeah so I basically just give context I got German measles when I was six months old And as a result, it perforated both of my eardrums and caused a lot of damage, basically. Um, And as a result, I wore hearing aids from the age of, I think I ended up getting them from the age of five. When I started to speak, my parents realised that I had a hearing deficit because of how I was speaking. And I would always pull people's faces towards me so I could read their lips and, and it was very much, no one really knew the extent of the hearing damage at that point. And um, when I first started school, I actually went to a deaf school, but I wasn't completely deaf. So it was very confusing for me because I was in this place where I couldn't relate really to my classmates and they couldn't really relate to me. There was a lot of why are you here type thing. So that was very confusing. And then I I eventually got hearing aids and things at the age of, I think, I think it was about six-ish. And I, I went to mainstream school with, with that. And it was just, it was just a tough time. But I do always remember, I always remember my mum and dad being so supportive of me um, in that. I do. Um, I had a really hard time. Like a lot of teachers were, they would, you know, maybe say things like, oh, I don't think it's as bad as being made out to be, or I, I don't know. And they were just always there, like, no, she needs this, this and this. And they were always striving to get me anything that would help me. And I guess, I guess it did further instill this belief in me that I was different. Like I always just felt like I was different. And even though they were supportive with it, that they were they were further instilling this message that I was different, maybe without even realising it. I definitely don't think it it was intentional, but yeah, there, there was a lot of was a lot of that for me. And, and the children at school definitely made me feel that way. Yeah. Did you get bullied at school? Yeah, it was terrible. Like, really, I I I got bullied really badly, and um, you know, I I don't think I've ever really truly understood or um process just how much that did affect my life because I again I thought everybody got bullied I thought it was just a rite of passage in school that you know you got bullied and I just shrugged that off a lot and I really didn't validate my experience um, because I know now that mine was definitely probably more extreme there was a lot of physical bullying um, as well as emotional um, but yeah, um, the, the product, the product at the age of 15, 16 was a very beaten down a girl that just really didn't know herself at all and just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to fit in. I just remember that. 
Yeah. Were you able to talk to your parents about the bullying? Did you have that sort of support from them? Yeah, so it's, so my my mum and dad, especially my mum, I could talk, and I, I genuinely felt this, I felt like I could talk to her about anything. But growing up, she was my best friend. And I was proud of that fact. I was proud of that. And I was very, very protective over her. My mum was an alcoholic. Um, and I was very protective of that fact. Um, so yeah, I did feel like I could talk to her about it. Did she truly listen? I'm not sure. I don't think she did. But I don't think I necessarily realised that at the time again because it was something I was so used to. Um, her not being fully present was something that didn't didn't really trigger for me as something unusual. So I don't think she was ever really there. And I just remember, you know, there's a couple of times that this happened. My mum's my mum's kind of solution to my bullying was to stand up to the bullies, which I get. Um, but to me, it absolutely terrified me. The thought of standing up against them. I remember one day she picked me up from school and um, we were sat in the car and I'd had a particularly bad day again. I was getting bullied by this particular group of girls at the time. And I just said to her, oh gosh, they're coming down the hill now. And immediately, you know, when you just say something, and as soon as it's out of my mouth, I thought, oh no. Because um, my mum was always a very feisty woman. And she was like, right, get out of the car. Get out of the car and you're going to confront them now. I'm here. I'll be in the car. But you're, and I just remember immediately like shake, shaking, like it was pure terror. Um, and I did it. And um, yeah. It was the most pathetic attempt at trying to scare these bullies away. But, and I just remember getting back in the car thinking, I just need to get away from you. Like I was just so angry with her that she'd made me do that. And I've reflected on that quite a lot in the past. When I work with my clients, I do a lot of inner child healing. And that requires us to go back and look at these moments and really look at what meaning we attach to these moments. And that's one that I've revisited quite a few times because I definitely... I definitely lost a lot of the safety that I felt with my mum that day. A lot of the trust that I'd kind of felt from, like it just it evaporated quite quickly after she did that. Yeah. And you, in that situation, you've got no control either way. You've got somebody telling you, you have to confront a bunch of people who are toxic. Mm. It's just a an awful situation to be in yeah you've described yourself as feeling broken at one point what did broken feel like to you honestly the first thing that came to my mind was after I had my daughter so that was seven years ago um, and that was that was my rock bottom and that was when I truly felt like a broken human um, that I could I could actually I, I think I always have in some degree but that was the moment that I just couldn't avoid it anymore and I could actually put words to it. Um, and yeah, for me, it was, I had a baby and I was a new mum and I was just completely incapable of being what she needed me to be. Um, 
because of everything that had kind of come up and just I was just completely lost and yeah broken at that point like I just felt like I couldn't be what she needed me to be and my husband I, I couldn't be what he needed me to be and I was just in a really really dark place for a, for a couple of years yeah and so was that just a continuation through from childhood through to your 20s or whenever it was that you had your baby you were just were you depressed during that time or was it just something that yeah. came up when you had your baby so from the age of 20 to when I had my daughter at 24 a lot happened my whole life changed and just to give a little context around that so I was a nurse and I qualified as a nurse when I was 20 so I was very young so I started this career um, that was incredibly demanding at the age of 22 my ex-boyfriend we'd been in a relationship for about four years left me so um, just out of the blue and that completely shattered my world. That was in 2012 at the beginning. And at the end of 2012, I went traveling. I actually came to Australia for a few months. And when I got home, it was two weeks before Christmas at the end of that year. And my parents had separated whilst I'd been away. And they didn't tell me. And I understand their reasons for not doing that. And I've made peace with that. But when I came home, they were not together my dad didn't live there anymore like my whole world had changed and I came back into this environment and my mum needed me that's the only way I can describe it she needed me and without question I was there for her without even considering how it had affected me and I moved in with her we bought she bought a new house I moved in with her and I lived with her for the whole of the following year within that year I actually met my now husband so I began to transition towards a more serious relationship with him he didn't live near me so I was doing like a two-hour drive to see him more often and my mum was putting up a lot of resistance to this the only way I can describe it is her behavior just got worse and it got a little harder to ignore and you know Ed my husband was like Michaela like that's not that's not normal and no one had ever really said that to me before um that that's you know that's not right that she's doing that and that's not right that she's saying that and it just began planting that seed and then one day I was literally on a break at work and I just rang her because she was having a hard day and again as a parentified daughter there was this huge responsibility and this huge obligation and guilt um so I used to ring her to just check on her you know like a mother would to her daughter I guess and um she was not good and I said you know well I've got some shifts booked this week I'm going to stay and she that was not what she wanted to hear and she just you probably you know you know all about narcissistic rage and she just lost it she lost it and she just packed up my entire room that day and put it all in bin bags outside the house wow um yeah it it was um it was a lot and then I just yeah I just collected my stuff and went to stay at my dad's but I remember my dad being like you can't stay here for very long because I don't have the room and 
it was that point when I was just like wow okay I don't I really don't feel wanted and it was just it was really hard and basically it pushed me to live with my husband a lot sooner than we'd wanted to and I don't think I've ever really said this before but I'm going to say it because I just want to be completely honest I I fell pregnant unexpectedly and I wanted to have a baby literally to just feel what I was not feeling you know to fill that void and I I made the decision to have my daughter from the wrong the wrong place it wasn't a healthy place in which I made that decision which is why I think which is why I know I struggled so much with it um and obviously not having my mum in my life because all that unraveled at the same time so yeah it was a lot that was that was a really long-winded answer I think to your question but no, but it was it was really necessary because so many things happened, didn't they, all at the same time. It was like a domino effect of just all mm. those different things. And I can understand just wanting to feel that connection and that, that relationship with that baby that you, you were having. I can totally understand that. Mm. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. So did you cut your mum out of your life at that point or were you still part of each other's lives but not so much? It was very, it was very on and off. So um, when that happened and um, she essentially kicked me out, I guess that's what happened. We didn't speak for about a year and I fell pregnant in that time. And I remember just wanting to tell her that I was having a baby and I went to her house. I was quite, I think I was about six months pregnant. So I was quite big, you know, I had a bump and it was just it was a very emotional meeting she was incredibly emotional um there was a lot of and I think this is what's been really hard for me on my journey and I'm going to bring it up because it's something that 
I have this conversation a lot with women and it comes up a lot. There was a lot of remorse and a lot of vulnerability, which is very common with vulnerable narcissists. They are vulnerable people. They don't have a solid sense of self. So you do see that a lot. And when it's your mother, there's obviously that, that aspect to it that is just so profound. So it made it very hard for me well, I was, I, was, I was right back where I started with the guilt and just feeling responsible. I felt like I needed to take care of her. Yeah, and then we spoke for a couple of weeks after that meeting and I started to ask questions because I started to really, I wanted the answers to things that had happened. As soon as I began to ask that, switched again, back, defensive, angry the rage you know and I'm just left like what what is going on you know which again is really common and at that point again like I started to get really stressed I ended up in hospital with high blood pressure and my husband was like enough like (laughs) you're gonna have a baby in three enough um and it was very very low contact I told her that And this was hard for me. This was a really hard boundary to set. But I told her that I just wanted it to be me and my husband when I gave birth. And I didn't want her at the hospital. But I would keep her updated. And I would let her know once the baby's been born. She turned up at the hospital again, you know, discounted my boundaries, which is not uncommon. Um, So that was really hard. And then after I had my daughter, we didn't speak for about a year so I did the whole first year without her um which was incredibly difficult and then she came back in and out again continuously until now so for the last six years it sounds like when she had you more in her control as a a child Mm -hmm. and a teenager all of this was subtle but it was there and then as soon as you showed your power decided you knew what you wanted for yourself and started living your own life it sounds as if it all got a lot worse absolutely absolutely um yeah that's just the nail on the head it's absolutely what it is and it is all about control it's all about needing to feel safe and that control and that was that was definitely it with her it was the same with my dad you know their dynamic in their marriage even even the same with my brother so I have a younger brother he's two years younger than me so even the same with him and I'm not gonna I won't go into this too much because of time but I just want to say it was slightly different because narcissistic mothers do tend to treat their sons differently they tend to treat siblings differently especially more so when it's a daughter and a son and that's mainly because I guess when you think of their fragile sense of self they get a lot of value and a lot of self-worth from their sons Mm, interesting I haven't actually heard that before so that's usually where it kind of comes from and and just to go a little bit deeper on that you tend to see quite narcissistic women having better relationships with men than women and it's all this it's it's the same kind of principle of feeling like they get a lot more value from men rather than women interesting so when you say your mum's coming in and out of 
relationship with you popping in and out of your life is that about giving love and then withholding love is that what she's doing to you is she coming in and trying to be the loving mother and then is she withdrawing that love is that what happened yeah like I do I do believe I do believe that was her intention so the thing with me is and this is like a huge value of mine especially talking about this and in my work is grace I know it's taken me a long place to get to this point because I used to be, I was very angry about it all and understandably so. Um, I do believe my mum absolutely tried her best within her limitations, but she's just so unaware of her own wounding and how that's projecting outwards. Because of that unawareness, she just became this incredibly toxic person. And I think she wanted to love me, but she didn't love herself. She still doesn't love herself. So she was never going to be able to love me in the way that I needed her to and the way that she wanted to. And I think it just got to the point where I was just so sick of the false promises and the nothing changing. And I think this is that this was a huge shift for me. I started to really understand and see that her actions just were not matching her words. And sometimes it takes you a long time to get to that point, even though it sounds really simple. But that was a huge turning point for me. And you described your mum before as a vulnerable narcissist. Can you just explain what exactly that is? Yeah, absolutely. So vulnerable, um, sometimes known as covert, so it's kind of the same principle, is somebody that basically has little to no self-worth, no self-esteem, no value, no, they don't hold any value within themselves and they definitely don't feel safe within themselves and their body. So they get that source from others. In essence, that's but it, it's just, it can, it's very, can be very malicious, very manipulative and very, I would argue, very, if not more destructive because it's just so hard to spot. And when you're, when you're in the grasp of that, confusing, overwhelming um, are probably two words I would use to describe it. Yeah, I think the confusing part is one of the biggest ones, isn't it? Because it's so some of this stuff is so difficult to detect like you say and you just think you're going crazy um Mm. and you can't even explain it i don't think sometimes to anybody we've talked quite a bit about the mother wound on this podcast how do you think having a narcissistic mother exacerbates the effects of the mother wound so the mother wound really is self-oppression So I find that the easiest way to describe it. It's this self-oppression, not only within ourselves, but also that's then projected outwards. You see it in society. And when your mother is more narcissistic on the spectrum and more toxic, that just becomes magnified. My, how do I... How do I want to explain this? I think the thing with a narcissistic mother is they just become so consumed by resentment and by all of these repressed emotions that they've not dealt with and feelings about themselves and about the world and about other people. It just, it gets really dark 
it gets really dark and then they can't deal with that they don't know how to they feel all these feelings coming from their daughter who hasn't had to give up what they've had to give up through no fault of her own but they don't understand those feelings coming from within them they think it's coming from the daughter so that just gets projected onto her so the mother wound exists in everybody it exists in everybody to some degree and it does exist on a spectrum so it makes something that's already hard and already something that you've got to unpick because of hundreds of years of oppression in women it already makes that a lot lot harder do we need to understand that our mother is a narcissist in order to heal our mother wound? Because I'm assuming yeah. there's a lot of people who don't really understand that mm -hmm. fact. Yeah, absolutely. And I love this question. I'm so glad you brought this up. It took me a long time to really understand this. We become so consumed, understandably so. This was me too. So I get it. But we can, really we can become really consumed in diagnosing our mother as a narcissist. It, becomes, it can become really important that we can slap a label on it in order to make sense of how we're feeling and our experiences. I would argue that it's not necessary. It's not necessary because what can happen is we become so consumed by it because we're so afraid that under the inherent belief the underlying belief is there's something wrong with me so we need to attach a label to it so that we don't have to really look within does that make sense yeah helps to understand obviously it, it really does help to understand I remember first learning about the word narcissist and that's when the penny started dropping for me and it really, really helped, but it's really important not to get stuck in that place because really healing the mother wound isn't actually about your mother. It's about you. It's about you. And it's only you that can do the work. You know, I have women saying, you know, I live with her or she's, she's, she's passed away or I, you know, I, I speak to her every day. Like, and I'm like, it doesn't, it, it really, that doesn't matter because it's you. So if you're living with a mother who's narcissistic and it's not good, do you think you can heal yourself in that situation or do you really have to remove yourself from the situation? I believe you can because firstly, I think it depends how you define healing because I think a lot of people define healing without even realising it as this place where you're not going to be triggered and you're not going to feel pain and you know, things aren't going to feel crap every now and then. And I don't believe that that's realistic. I mean, if it is, I'm not there yet, put it that way. But one thing that I do believe can be quite valuable in that situation is when you are triggered, it's your inner child that's being triggered. So it's that part of you that's being triggered based on conditioning and things that have happened in the past and not necessarily things that are happening right now. And one person that's going to trigger that part of you the most is your mother. So you could argue in those instances, you're going to get a lot of clarity very quickly, even if it's really painful. And don't get me wrong, it wouldn't be easy, but it was not sometimes, it wasn't until I'd had a little bit of interaction with my mum that I could then reflect on that interaction, look at where I was triggered, 
how it triggered me, like what my thoughts were and just really go a little bit deeper on that. Um, when you distance yourself from her, those things aren't readily available to you as much. So sometimes it can take a little bit longer. Yeah, I guess it depends as well, doesn't it, on mm -hmm. how intense the relationship is. I suspect Absolutely. For, some, for some people it's not going to be possible and for others it will be. So what do you think are the first steps? Like if somebody's thinking, oh, I think my mum's narcissist, I'm really not coping. What do you think are the first steps for people to find help? find somebody that you can feel safe with and talk about it I think just merely saying it out loud helps so so much and there's so much shame that's infused with the mother wound that one prevents us from talking about it and when we do talk about it we think we're going to be judged especially when you're talking about your mum because a lot of people just simply don't understand. So find somebody safe, find somebody neutral that is just going to listen to you without judgment. Because that in itself is so healing. And boundaries, definitely, especially if you do live with her. If not physically, emotionally, energetically, boundary up as much as you can. Yeah. Without overwhelming, I think definitely talking, just talking to somebody that is safe. Um, yeah. And by safe, I mean, isn't going to pass judgment, you know, because even the most well-meaning people will try and say things to make us feel better. But unfortunately, because of their unawareness of this, really, and just societal conditioning around mothers, there's a lot of toxic positivity you know in the form of oh but she's your mom and maybe she just needs a hug you know maybe you've just been a bit hard you know there's a lot of that and that's really invalidating to somebody that's been invalidated their entire life um so it's just something to be aware of yeah I understand that and I do see that a bit on Instagram where people are pretty upset with that attitude I guess because it really is an individual situation isn't it you yeah. your relationship with your mum you can't nobody else can know what that is so um, if somebody is struggling with that then it's important to acknowledge that rather than telling them just go and give her a hug yeah. um, <laughs> which is yeah. pretty hard to hear have you done much inner child work and and has that been quite powerful for you absolutely so for me it's been the most the most probably powerful thing that I have done on my healing journey um, which has just allowed me to really understand myself on a visceral level and heal not only repressed well oppressed emotions do live in the body but yeah just heal my body and just really create a safe space for me to exist especially with trauma you you become so disconnected from your body so disconnected from your emotions because you've not been allowed to feel them safely or you don't really know how to process them there's a lot of disconnect that happens there and you know what you end up with is just a really dysregulated nervous system and feeling very unsafe in your body and inner child work has really really helped me bridge that gap and really remother myself 
um, especially not having a mother physically I guess you know I guess maybe you could argue that she hasn't always been the mother that I needed her to be but yeah I've really been able to give that back to myself and that's what changed that's what's changed my life the most when people say to me they ask you know how do you do it like how how can you just be okay and thrive without her around you know and she's still here and and that's how you know that's how how I do it I just I remother myself I love myself and that is something that has took me a hell of a long time well I don't think I've ever said that I don't think I've ever truly felt that but it's just self-acceptance self-acceptance is key and inner child work really enables you to do that yeah it's interesting isn't it the concept of loving yourself there's so much talk of that at the moment and it's not something I knew about either but when you go down that road it really does change everything doesn't it and it's so important that people understand that in the end it's really just you have to give that love to yourself and don't necessarily need that from anybody else it's really it's really just loving you and that changes Mm. everything I think doesn't it absolutely and it's it's what version of yourself are you loving what version of yourself are you accepting because what I've realized is I was trying to accept a version of myself that wasn't me it was it was uh, an accumulation of beliefs that I'd adopted and conditioning and it it wasn't even me and that's why it wasn't working because I was just trying to accept what wasn't authentic so you know um kind of deconditioning all of that and really undoing it and understanding who I was and then accepting that version of myself yeah is is what is what's changed my life and uh, I love what you just said there about really truly knowing that you don't need it you know because you can give it to yourself and one thing that I wholeheartedly believe in is that you can survive without your mother you are made to believe that you can't and that is simply not true even if it feels like life or death which it's supposed to it's your mother you know your primal brain sees her as survival you can survive without her and when you truly realize that there's something really really profound in that yeah absolutely and you've got a daughter and a son and what what are you wanting to give to your kids that you feel you missed out on oh can we start with that one um I just want to be present I want to be I want to be their safe space which is not something I truly felt that I had and whoever they are you know they're so different and I like to you know think that I just nurture them so independently and yeah that's 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 yeah you just you want to give them everything don't you yeah absolutely So, Michaela, you are sharing so much on your Instagram account about the mother wound and how to deal with narcissism. There are so many people out there who should really connect with you. Can you tell us where we can connect and everything that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I 
like you said, I'm on Instagram. That's probably like my main platform right now. I'm also on TikTok where I share a lot more videos. And there is a link in my Instagram where you can see information on my one-to-one offerings. And I am going to be launching, which I'm really, really excited about, a group program towards the end of this year. Collective Healing has changed my life. And I really, truly believe, especially with this particular wound and what a group of women that have experienced the same thing can all bring to each other um, would just be would just be incredible so I'm going to be launching that towards the end of the year and I post all details about that on my Instagram and so your Instagram is mother herself and me that sounds amazing actually because I know I just know that people struggle with this so much and I do believe that being a part of a group of women who are in a similar situation is definitely the best way to heal. So that sounds amazing. And I'm sure that's going to be super successful. Michaela, you've come so far from that tiny, anxious little girl that had so much to deal with every day. You're so strong. You're so amazing. And you're doing so much good in the world. Thank you so much for chatting with me today and sharing your insight and wisdom. And I've really loved chatting to you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely. Like, where does an hour go? It goes so quick. It's (laughs) It's disappeared, isn't it? Check the show notes for a direct link to all books recommended in this episode. Come and follow me on Instagram at My Big Love Project. Drop a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique. And you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining me. I'll catch you next week.